Now, the biblical character Moses was an unlikely leader, called by God to lead in some unlikely circumstances and in some unlikely ways. And God still uses unlikely leaders even today. Take, for example, a man by the name of Roman Espinoza. Roman's a 46-year-old army vet who lives in Watertown, New York. I don't know if you heard his story, but he became aware recently of the fact that there were people who were going hungry in his town. And so inspired by the miniature libraries that he'd seen around where people can take a book and leave a book, Roman came up with the idea for a blessing box where people could leave food as they had it and people could take food as they needed it. And he was hoping that maybe something like this would make a difference or catch on. And what he said is that soon after he created this blessing box and put it out in his yard, he didn't even have to stock it anymore. People were coming by and putting food in it. And then he had people asking him, hey, can you help me make one of those for my yard? And before long, there were 20 blessing boxes in people's yards around his town. And then the local Home Depot offered to donate the wood to continue to make more of these boxes. Barilla offered to donate pasta and noodles. A local roofing contractor donated the materials so that the boxes could be kept dry. And in an interview, Roman Espinoza said, you know, I, I wanted to help and, and I was hoping that maybe some other people would get involved and catch on, but I had no idea that it would take off like this. And then he said, who knows, maybe in five years, my town can become known as the city of the blessing boxes. So you just never know when God is going to give you an opportunity to lead and to make a difference, and to make an impact. Which is why in Chapel Roswell, we've spent the last four weeks taking up the topic of unlikely leadership. And digging into the story of Moses and the unlikely leadership lessons that he's learned. And we started the first week looking at Moses' experience at the burning bush. And how there he had to deal with his doubts about himself and God's calling in his life. And then the next week, we looked at the story of when Moses went to Pharaoh to say, let God's people go. And how God called Moses and he learned this unlikely leadership lesson about speaking truth to power. And then last week, we read about Moses on Mount Sinai where he received the commandments, the Ten Commandments from God. Also where the people of Israel, while Moses was gone, built for themselves, made for themselves an idol. And we learn the unlikely leadership lesson with Moses about avoiding disaster for the nation of Israel. 
If you missed any of those or you want to go back and catch them again or recommend them, they're on our podcast and on our YouTube channel. I, I highly recommend them. But we wrap up the series today learning another unlikely leadership lesson from Moses' dying words. The last things he said to the people of Israel before he died. And now we're not reading in Exodus this morning. We're actually jumping ahead to the book of Deuteronomy. So we're skipping over Leviticus and Numbers. I'll say more about that in just a minute. But Moses' dying words are in the book of Deuteronomy. In fact, the book of Deuteronomy is basically Moses' dying words. It's a series of speeches that Moses gives to the nation of Israel before they cross over into the promised land that God had told them he would bring them to so many years before. And one of the things we skip over is the fact that Moses' generation has been told by God that they will not be able to enter into the promised land, that they will die before they go in because of their unfaithfulness and unwillingness earlier to go where God had instructed them to go. And that includes Moses himself. He's not allowed by God to go into the promised land. In fact, God says it'll be the next generation of Israelites, the next generation of leaders. Specifically, Moses' assistant Joshua, who will cross over the Jordan River and enter into the land that God had promised them. And so before they do that, Moses has gathered the people of Israel just on the other side of the Jordan River And he's retelling for them the stories of their faith, the stories of their family. He's reminding them of where they've been and what they've come from and what they've been through and where God has been present in all of it. Moses is retelling the old stories to the next generation. And recognize that Moses is very old at this point in his life, like We read that he was 80 when he went to Pharaoh to say, let my people go. And then they spent 40 years in the wilderness, wandering in the desert. So Moses is old. So here's old Moses retelling stories to the people of Israel. And this brings up one of my biggest fears, (laughs) is that I'm going to start to retell the same stories over and over again to people. I wonder how the Israelites were like with Moses. Like, oh, here we go again. Here goes Moses. Telling the stories again. Like, I'm afraid that one day I'm going to stand up here and tell a story that I, I have already told recently. Or in the office or with my family, with my kids. And I'm not sure how I want people to react when I do that. I'm not sure if I want somebody to tell me, hey, you know, you've told us that before. Or if I'd rather you just smile and nod and (laughs) let me tell my story again. But that's kind of how I envision Moses with the Israelites. He's retelling their stories. But the thing is, you know, sometimes there's a purpose to the retelling. To remind and to reinforce something that we know or have experienced or learned. And so that's what Deuteronomy is. It's it's Moses retelling their stories. And then it comes up in Deuteronomy chapter 9 where Moses starts out by saying, Today, today you are going to cross over into the promised land. Everything that God has done, everything that God has promised 
to you and not just to you, but for the whole world. Remember, God's covenant with the people of Israel was, I will bless you so that you can be a blessing to all the nations, to everyone everywhere. All of this is coming to fruition today. Moses said, you will cross over into the promised land. Then he also says to them, don't think that you've earned this, by the way. You didn't make this happen. You didn't convince God to do this. You didn't earn it. God is doing this to see through God's promise, God's covenant that God made with the Israelites and by extension, the whole world. And then Moses goes into, because remember, you remember what happened, how I had to go back up on the mountain and get a second set of stone tablets because I broke the first ones when I threw them down on the ground because I was so angry with you. Do you remember that? Do you remember that while I was gone getting the commandments from God, you made for yourselves an idol, a form, you fashioned God into a form that you could manage and handle and deal with because you weren't comfortable having faith in God and the mystery of God and the unseenness of God, having faith that God was present with you even when you couldn't touch it or see it. Do you remember that? Do you remember how God said that he was going to wipe us all off the face of the earth and just eradicate the whole nation of Israel because of your unfaithfulness? Remember? Remember that I had to plead with God and beg God not to do that? And God relented and didn't pour out his anger on all of us? You remember how that went down? Don't think you earned this or deserve it. Rather, remember the extent to which you have experienced the grace and the mercy, the unearned, undeserved love and favor and blessing of God as a people. Remember that. And then on the heels of that, Moses gives them some instruction. And this is where we learn another unlikely leadership lesson from Moses. And that is that leadership is looking beyond yourself, beyond your lifetime. And this is how Moses expresses that to Israel. I'm going to read from Deuteronomy chapter 10. And we're going to put it up on the screen now so that you can follow along. It's also on our app if you have the app and you can follow along there and even make notes. This is Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 through 21. And this is Moses to the people of Israel. Now in light of all that, Israel, what does your, the Lord your God ask of you? Only this, to revere the Lord your God by walking in all His ways, by loving Him, by serving the Lord your God with all your heart and being, and by keeping the Lord's commandments that I'm commanding you right now. It's for your own good. Clearly the Lord owns the sky, the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. But the Lord adored your ancestors, loving them and choosing the descendants that followed them, you, from all other people. That's how things still stand now. So circumcise your hearts and stop being so stubborn. Because the Lord your God is the God of all gods and Lord of all lords, the great, mighty, and awesome God who doesn't play favorites and doesn't take bribes. He enacts justice for orphans and widows, and He loves immigrants, giving them food and clothing. 
That means you must also love immigrants because you were immigrants in Egypt. Revere the Lord your God. Serve Him. Cling to Him. Swear by His name alone. He is your praise and He is your God. The one who performed these great and awesome acts that you witnessed with your very own eyes. And in that moment, Moses lays out for the people the vision that God has in store for them, the promised land that God has put before them, and then what it looks like for them to live into that. And we learn from Moses another unlikely leadership lesson that leadership is about leading beyond yourself, beyond your lifetime. And that's a challenge. That's a challenge for us to think beyond our own selves, to lead beyond our own tenure or our own lifetime. Think about it. How many leaders, managers, C-level executives do you know who lead their organizations with a vision that extends beyond themselves? Beyond even their time with the organization. Because human nature is such that as more and more of our years and more and more of our experience is behind us, the more likely we are to look backwards in our thinking and in our decision making than we are to look ahead of us, to look towards the future. It's a challenge. It's a struggle because our thinking, our planning, our leading becomes oriented about where we've been, what we've done, what we're used to, instead of what's ahead of us, what the future holds. That is, if it's about us. But if it's about God, if it's about God's people, God's children, if it's about the kingdom of God, then that's the direction that a leader will be facing and leading. That's the direction that the leader will point the people into the future that God has in store for us. And that was the problem with Moses' generation, is they couldn't see the future for the past. That's why Moses' generation was told by God, you're not going into the promised land. I told you we skipped over Leviticus and Numbers, those books of the Bible, to get to Deuteronomy. Well, if you went back to Numbers, you would read the account of where Moses had led the people up to the land that God was going to take them into. And before they went into this land, into Canaan, they gathered spies, 12 spies, to send into the land to scout it out and to see, okay, where are we headed? What are we about to get ourselves into? What do we need to be prepared for? And the spies come back, and 10 of the 12 spies say, we don't need to go there. That's dangerous. Those people are big and scary. Only two, Caleb and Joshua, came back and said, Okay, maybe that's true, but if this is where God would have us to go, then let's go. We can do it. 
But because of the report of those ten spies, the people of Israel revolted against Moses and said, we're not going there. That may be where God is calling us and told you to take us, but we're not doing it. And in fact, God got angry again and told Moses again, I'm fine, I'm through with them. I'm wiping them all out. Again and again, Moses intercedes for the people and convinces God not to wipe them out. But instead, they wander. God turns them back into the desert and they wander until all of Moses' generation is dead. And, and maybe that's just part of life, that a generation carries the torch as far as they can carry it, and then the next generation picks it up from there and carries it into the future. But now, all of Moses' generation has died off. And it's Moses there with the next generation standing on the side of the Jordan River looking over into the promised land and Moses points them over to what God has promised them and says, today you will go into the future that God has in store for you. Today you will take a first step into where God would have you to go. Brothers and sisters, today is a good day to take a first step into the future that God has in store for you and your people. And so as Moses is pointing them into the future, into God's promised land, he says to them, and what does God ask of you? Remember all that God has done, all that God has brought you through. All that you've experienced, God's grace and God's mercy in your life to get you to this point where you can step into the Jordan River and cross over into the future, into the promise that God has in store for you. Remember all that has happened to get you right here. And now what does God ask of you? To love God. To honor God. To follow what God has commanded and taught you about how to live and who to be. Quit being a stubborn people, Moses said to them. Some translations say stiff-necked. Quit being so obstinate and rigid and refusing to change or to turn or to go into something new. To move towards a future that God is calling you towards. Stop being so stubborn. And instead, Moses says, circumcise your hearts. And for them, circumcision was a ritual that marked men, because men represented their culture, marked them as children of God. It, it was a way of being marked by God, claimed by God. It was a way of saying, I will surrender to God. I will go where God would call me to go. I will be God's people. We will be God's people now and forever. It was a, it was a way of identifying the people as belonging to God. 
surrendering their lives to God. And Moses said, circumcise your hearts. Let your heart belong to God. Not just individually, but collectively, that you as a people would be the people of God and go where God would take you. Be who God calls you to be. And by the way, God doesn't play favorites. You may think you're God's favorite and somebody told that to you, but guess what? God doesn't play favorites. Which, by the way, is, is one of the dangers in the presentation of our theology when we say, you know what, if you were the only person that ever lived, Jesus would have died for you. I get that and I understand how that can have meaning and, and help you understand how much God loves you and loves all of us. But the, the flip side of that, the danger of that is to think about it's about you. You know, that Jesus did this for you. When in fact, Jesus did this for the world. That it's God's love, not just for you or me individually, but it's God's love collectively for all of creation, for everyone everywhere. Because God doesn't play favorites. And God doesn't take bribes, Moses said. We are all on equal footing before the Lord our God. I have a favorite theologian who says, there are no experts in the presence of Jesus. But what God does do is God brings justice for the orphans and the widows. God loves the immigrants, cares for them, and feeds them. Let me please just say that one more time. God loves the immigrants and cares for them and feeds them and does not turn them away. Because, Moses said, by the way, you were an immigrant in the land of Egypt. And if that doesn't resonate for anybody here because you're born and raised in the U.S. of A., you're not an immigrant, fine. If you can't get with the fact that your ancestors were, fine. Let me tell you what, in the kingdom of God you were. You were a wanderer, a stranger. And God came and found you and claimed you and marked you as his own. And now you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And that is not of your own doing. That's not of your parents' doing. None of our doings. We didn't earn that or deserve that. God has claimed you and you belong to God and so does everyone else. And so God loves the immigrant, cares for them, feeds them, and provides a place for them. And then Moses says, so should you. This is the kingdom of God. Moses is casting a vision for what the kingdom of God looks like. How we experience it. How we have experienced it. And what it looks like to live into that now and into the future. And Moses looking far ahead beyond his own life, beyond himself, because he knows he's dying. He's not going into the promised land. Looking into the promised land, Moses is casting a vision for the future. Not just for the future of those people of Israel for that generation, but the future of all time. He's pointing all the way ahead to Jesus Christ, who was the embodiment of the kingdom of God. In his very living and teaching, his example, all the way to his death on the cross and his resurrection, the offer for new life, Moses has cast a vision for the kingdom of God in Jesus. For you and for me, Moses is painting a picture for us of what it looks like to live the kingdom of God in the example of Jesus now, today. 
for you and me to lead in our circle right where we are. To look beyond ourselves, our preferences, our experiences in the past, our desires, but to look beyond all of that into the kingdom of God future for us and for everyone. God, remember Roman Espinoza? He said, maybe, maybe in five years, my town will become known as the city of blessing boxes. What does the future look like for you in, in your city, in your circle? What's the kingdom of God vision that God's giving you to say, hey, maybe, maybe in my community, maybe in my home, maybe at my school, maybe in our state, maybe in our country, what is God putting inside of you, calling you to lead right where you are in spite of your shortcomings or your doubts? Where's God calling you to speak truth to power on behalf of the forgotten, the neglected, the abused and oppressed, the voiceless? Where's God calling you to maybe put down, put aside some idols. And to step up and lead. Where's God calling you to look beyond yourself, your lifetime, and look to the kingdom of God future that God has promised for us all? You know, that promised land that the nation of Israel crosses over into is what we know geographically today as the country of Israel. And there in Israel, where the temple was constructed, there's a, there's a famous architectural element there. The, one of the walls that had formed the foundation for where the temple was built called the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall. You're familiar with it. It's a place where people have gone now for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, centuries. People have gone there because it's considered to be a holy place. It's as close as you can get to what was the temple, the, the Holy of Holies that represented God's presence on earth. And people go there to pray. They go there to lift up their prayers to God Almighty for themselves, for the world, for their community. And so what we've done this morning is we've got our own sort of replica, just go with me, of, <laughs> of the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall. And you know what's customary is people at the Wailing Wall will write their prayers down on a slip of paper or something and, and stick them into a crack or a crevice in the Wailing Wall as a way to give their prayer to God. 
And so what we're going to do with the rest of our time in here this morning is we just want to create an opportunity where you can spend a minute with God to listen for where maybe God is calling you to lead. To look beyond yourself, to look to the kingdom of God. And what characteristic of the kingdom of God are you being called to lead toward right where you are? And what's your role in that? And then there should be in every seat or on every pew a stack of cards and envelopes. And so what I want to invite you to do is is while you're spending that time thinking, praying, listening for God, we've just made a way for you to write down your prayer about where God is calling you to lead for the kingdom of God. To write that down on a card. And then put it in the envelope. And if you will address that envelope to yourself. And then bring it and put it here in our wall. Don't try to stick it in the cracks. Just drop it in. We'll send that back to you. So think about from now till Easter. Easter is April 1st, April Fool's Day. That's going to be fun. Just think about from now to then, what is some, what is some characteristic of the kingdom of God, the, the vision that Moses cast, that, that Jesus cast and lived and demonstrated for us, that God is calling you to be a part of bringing about right where you are. And if you write that in that card as a sense of a prayer for yourself, for your circle, Put it in the envelope, address the envelope, and bring it down here. We'll, we'll mail it back to you around Easter as a way for you to be reminded of the vision that God gave you today, now, and your role in it. So if you'll help make sure everybody's got a card and an envelope and a pen, I'd appreciate that. And then while we sing, as you're ready, you can just bring the card up and put it here in the wall. Also, while we sing, that's our time to give back to God, to give our tithe, our offering. It's our response to God. It's a way to say, thank you for blessing me, to say, I trust you to provide, and so I give back to God what, some of what I have. But it's also a way to say, hey, I want to be a part of making this happen. This kingdom of God future that God has in store for us, it's coming even through Chapel Roswell. I want to help make that happen. And so when you give, that's what you're doing. And the ways that you can give are up there on the screen. So as we sing, I want to encourage you also to give as you feel led and as you're able. And as always, I want to remind you that if there's something this morning you'd like for somebody to pray with you about, we have some folks who are ready and willing to do that. And they're back by this stained glass window and this one back here behind me. So as we're singing and you're bringing your card, if you'd like for somebody to pray with you, they're waiting for you back here. But before we sing, I want to ask if we could pray. And we'll pray God's blessing for what we write, God's inspiration for us. God, we are thankful for the example of Moses, an unlikely leader learning unlikely lessons about leadership and how we're learning them even today. God, we're thankful for your call for us to lead with a vision for your kingdom in our circle, no matter how big or how small. 
God, we're thankful for the lessons we are learning about what it means to follow someone, to choose who we will support, whose leadership we will follow, that it would reflect your kingdom, that it would reflect your son, our savior, Jesus. So God, for what we write now on these cards, we ask for your inspiration, that we would be a part of your kingdom coming today and into the future and beyond our lifetimes. God, would you bless what we write? God, raise us up to be your people, bearing your promise, not just for us, but for all people everywhere. This is our prayer together in the name of Jesus. Amen.